Late one, Sam. For all time's sake. I don't know what you mean, Miss Elsa. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. Toga, 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 toga. I feel the need, the need for speed. Oh! I'm the king of the world! I am big. It's the picture that got small. Bond. James Bond. One morning I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How he got in my pajamas, I don't know. Elementary, my dear Watson. Purely elementary. Oh, no. It wasn't the airplanes. It was beauty killed the beast. Thank God in my witness. I'll never be hungry again. I'll have what she's having. A martini, shaken, not stirred. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Silent breed is people! I love the smell of napalm in the morning. My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. story out of nowhere a former grangekeeper now about to become the masters champion <clears throat> it looks like i'm a wreck it's in the hole i'm gonna make him an offer again with you show me the money greed for lack of a better word is good you build it, he will come. Here's Johnny. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I hope that was a nice little intro. That was taken from AFI's uh, 100 Years, 100 Movie Quotes musical montage. I thought it was a good way to start the first episode uh, of... Uh, what is called is going to be called the Film Society of Key Row. Um, this is a podcast that I'm beginning to start up. There's going to be a podcast. There's going to be I'm going to be running a Bible study um, here at my congregations. Um, there's going to be um, there's going to be a blog site, and there's going to be other things I'm going to do with this. And the purpose of this podcast, as I begin, is to provide. Uh, <clears throat> analysis of pop culture, specifically film and television, from the perspective of a confessional Lutheran. Uh, the reason I'm doing this is because I like to listen to a lot of uh, um, pop culture podcasts. I like listening to, like, Batman on Batman by... Uh, 
Kevin Smith. There's another one I was just listening to the other day. I can't remember the name of it. It's just a brand new one. But the thing is that most of these are very secular, and sometimes they can be downright derogatory towards uh, Christians, and it kind of gets annoying at times. So I thought I'd create one um, that where it shows that, you know, it's okay to enjoy movies as a Christian. It's okay to enjoy some of these TV shows. And believe it or not, these are great avenues for us to think and discuss about issues. And so this is the first podcast of that purpose. Uh, the name of it is... I thought it just sounded like a cool name. I think there's like a Brotherhood um, Society of Kiro or something like that somewhere. Um, I think it's like a Catholic society. So I kind of played off of that and converted to a film society. Because there are film societies all over this country. And you hear about them. So I decided to add Kiro. And Kiro, if you don't know, is the first two Greek letters for Christ. Or for Christus, as it is in Greek. So... Um, the way the shows are going to be, there's going to, I'm going to review movies at time, I'm going to review TV shows, I'm going to, and I'm going to do some list, kind of listing, like ranking episodes, and so, right now, I'm going to start with the, the first movie I'm going to do is The Truman Show, and I'm going to get to that in a little bit, uh, but before that, I'm going to talk a little bit about a um, I'll talk about movies that I've seen in the theaters, if I have, uh, I'm not going to go into too much depth with those movies just because of the fact I want to be able to really dig into the movie, be able to look at the quotes, be able to really observe the music, observe the little details that they put into it. And so that's a lot harder to do when you're in a theater uh, than it is when you have the DVD and you can push pause, you can push rewind, things like that and catch things. And it seems weird, but that's just the way I go. Uh, so, if I see a movie, I'll probably put a little bit of comment on it. Uh, as far as TV shows, the reviews and the analysis of TV shows, it's going to be a season at a time, and there is no schedule as to when those show up. Generally, the movie analysis, I'm going to try to have those released on Monday night. Um, I usually, on my podcast site, you'll see I have sermons. They preach at my churches. Those will usually be released on Sunday. And if we have midweek services, Wednesday, et cetera, et cetera. But Monday will typically be uh, these release about films. And once a month, I will not do a movie review or analysis. I'm going to do a ranking or just, you know, like uh, best soundtracks or best characters, something like that. Uh, sometimes I may do a top 100, so it'll break up through several months. Or sometimes I might do just a top 10, whatever. And as far as the TV, sh but for when it comes to the TV shows, I'm only going to do those when I finish the season. Not before, not after. And I'm not going to probably do uh, any uh, viewing guides for those just because seasons can be really long and it's a little bit harder to do that. So that gives you a good idea as to what this podcast is going to be. And I hope I will have a little bit better sound quality the next time I record because I did, you know, I just ordered on Amazon a microphone. I usually record right out of my iPad. So uh, later this week, I'm supposed to be getting a microphone in the mail that I could plug into this that will make it sound a little bit better. Uh, as far as movies that I've, and so that leads me to the first thing is to talk about movies that are in theaters, movies that I've recently watched. 
Um, the movie I just watched in theaters last week, I actually saw a couple movies last week. Uh, the first one I saw was um, Gods of Egypt, which was, I will just say, it was an entertaining movie, and it had some pretty um, good action and some decent special effects, but it was, you know, nothing... Uh, to get overly excited about. I was not a huge fan of it. I know that there are some that did lo do love those kinds of movies. For me, it just didn't really connect. But on Friday, I did see the movie um, Zootopia. And that movie, I'll admit, I go to kids' movies by myself. It probably makes me look like a creeper or whatever, but I do it anyways. Uh, because so many of the kids' movies are amazing. I mean... For example, last summer, Inside Out, which is a movie I hope to eventually uh, record on this. Uh, and I've done one of those before with the old podcast, but I'm going to redo that. And I've never really done one where I dug in deep like I like to do. And so I like watching the, like I said, I like watching these movies because a lot of them have... Uh, anima a lot of the animated movies are just really good. So like Zootopia had incredible... An incredible soundtrack. Uh, the music... Not soundtrack. Incredible imagery. Sorry. That's going to be relating to Truman Show. Um, Zootopia had, it had a good soundtrack. I will say that. But it also had uh, incredible visuals. I mean, not just the way they drew the animals, but the, the landscapes. There's this scene where you see uh, the main character riding into... Uh, Zootopia, this city where all these animals who have evolved to being, you know, human-like, kind of a, it's almost kind of a nod to um, the book Animal Farm, uh, if you're familiar with that. And, but she rides in on this train and it is just a, a beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful scenes that you see all the way through. You see this the snow, you see the waterfalls, you see the city, you see all these incredible images. It's, it's just um, incredible computer animation. Uh, they had some very solid voice casting. It had a good story. had some really funny scenes. If you see, haven't seen the trailer yet, um, the trailer with the sloths is just hilarious. And even though I'd seen that a couple times in the trailer, it was still funny when I saw it in the movie. Even though I knew exactly what was going to happen, it's one of those just dumb little scenes that are funny, and it's good to have one of those moments. Uh, the movie also packs in a nice little uh, message for the kids, uh, and I think adults could appreciate it. So, all in all, it's a pretty good movie, and I definitely recommend watching it. Uh, just a quick look on this. I'm going to quickly check up on this. Last I checked on Rotten Tomatoes, it was doing pretty well. Um, when I went... Right now, it's at 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. That should tell you a lot. It's the best-reviewed movie of the year. 135 reviews, and two people haven't liked it. Uh, but otherwise, you know... It's been a really good movie. The critical consensus was that the brilliantly well-rounded Zootopia offers a thoughtful, inclusive message that's as rich and timely as its sumptuously state-of-the-art animation, all remaining while remaining fast and funny enough to keep younger viewers entertained. So like I said, it was just, you know, a really good movie. 
and uh, I recommend seeing it, recommend taking your kids. It's kind of a shame it only made $70 million this weekend, and yet it was, you know, it really was a good, good movie. So, with that in mind, we're going to go into, uh, we're going to transition into the discussion about The Truman Show. And The Truman Show is the movie I'm picking because I'm going to use that for um, a Bible study that I host at my church. We have a, or a group uh, where we just gather. We watch a movie and I, I provide a viewing guide to help them to kind of see the images and the ideas that are flowing through secular movies in particular. And the goal is to create discernment in regards to film. And if you could and sometimes in some of these movies you will see the gospel um, explained, whether intentional or not, and it actually could open up opportunities to talk about the faith if someone is alert to it. So we get to the so the Truman Show, uh, just kind of some little details about the movie. Uh, it is directed by uh, Peter Weir, uh, who uh, directed Dead Poet Society, which is a movie they'll probably do in the future. Um, just an absolutely great movie. Uh, the writer is Andrew Nichol. Uh, cast, Jim Carrey, Laura Linney, Ed Harris, Paul Giamatti, uh, Harry Shearer. In uh, the box office total, it made $125 million. I was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, Best Director, uh, Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars. Uh, the Golden Globes, Jim Carrey won Best Actor. Ed Harris won Best Supporting Actor. Uh, they, Dalwitz and Philip Glass won Best Original Score. And it was nominated for Best Picture in a Drama, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. So, uh... So simply you're seeing there's a lot of, you know, it was a very good movie. It did well in the awards season. And when you watch this movie, and I'm going to straight up say this as I get to this. Um, when I review these movies, when I analyze this, there's going to be a lot of spoilers in here. This is also another reason why I'm not doing movies that are in theaters. As you notice when I talked about Zootopia, I did not talk about what happens in it. And I, will, I might talk about it. Uh, when the movie comes out, but I'm not going to talk out, talk about too much to ruin the movie. And so, but when it's out in, on DVD, or in the case of the Truman Show, I mean, it came out in 1998, so it's been out for a while, and I'm not too worried about spoiling the movie. My goal is to add to the movie, to add to the enjoyment of the movie. And so, to begin, when you look at the movie... If you want, when you sit down and watch the Truman Show, you have to begin with. It helps to begin with an understanding or a knowledge of what is known as the as Plato's allegory of the cave. In Plato's allegory of the cave, he this is the way it goes. Um, there's this there's this caveman at the bottom of a cave, and all he can see is this wall. The only thing he can see is this the wall right in front of his eyes. He can see nothing else. But behind him, but he can't see this, no, you know, up and behind him, there is a fire. And in between that fire and that wall are all these objects going on in front. And they create all kinds of images. And 
Meanwhile, the guy on the wall is getting an image of, a, of reality based upon the shadows created by the fire. Well, eventually, so this man thinks that he knows what truth is, but in reality, it's a distortion. And the only way he can really come to truth is to free himself from that cave, climb up, you know, free himself from the shackles, climb up out and into the sunlight, and he will experience enlightenment. He'll experience true knowledge, and he'll see what truth is. And so this was a very influential um, theme in the, in the Enlightenment. I intentionally use that word for that purpose. And this uh, al the allegory of the cave is used in a lot of films. Uh, most The Truman Show is definitely one of the notable ones. Another one that's equally notable is The Matrix. So the movie begins with Ed Harris' um, character, Kristoff, who is the director of this um, TV show, where, which involves the entire life of this man, uh, Truman Burbank. Truman Burbank was adopted by the studio, and he was raised up in this gigantic uh, set, and his entire life is controlled. Everyone around him is an actor except for Truman, and all that is being manipulated and controlled by this director. And so it ends, begins with a very, kind of a depressing uh, story. And what's kind of interesting with the Truman Show is when it was released, you know, the star of the movie is Jim Carrey. And Jim Carrey at the time was known for movies like uh, Dumb and Dumber, uh, Ace Ventura, Mask. If you've seen Dumb and Dumber or Ace Ventura, you know they are just, you know, they're, they're, they're very humorous, but it's a lot of physical humor. And so what you had seen of Jim Carrey up to this point, you expect really good comedy. You don't expect anything serious. And so I remember a lot of people going to that movie expecting a number of their Dumb and Dumber. And the thing is, is if you watch the trailers of the movie, some of those trailers kind of gave you the idea that that's what you were getting. And so many people came into the movie not knowing what to expect. And they were surprised to find that this was actually a very serious film. It has comedic moments, but and there's some little moments here and there, but it's by and large, it's a drama. And so Ed Harris's character, the director, his name is Kristoff. That's gonna be of note. Just break the name apart, and you've got Christ of. Alright? That's gonna be a detail to come. The main character is Truman. Again, break that up. True man. There's a reason. This is, a, this is notable. Uh, the last name is Burbank, which is actually kind of a knock against Disney. And the show, the movie does make a few cracks against Disney. Uh, I don't know why totally. I don't, I'm not totally familiar with that background. But I do know that they make some cracks at Disney. Uh, for instance, early in the movie, you see Truman get jumped by this Dalmatian that's named Pluto, which is an allusion to two popular dog, um, some popular dogs in the Disney um, animation universe, and even the city that it takes place in, the town is modeled is very much influenced by um, a city that's basically it's like Disney Town. It's down in Florida somewhere, and mm -hmm. is <clears throat> so. 
and Burbank, the last name, is the name of the town where Disney is based out of. That's Burbank, California. So, <clears throat> the beginning of the move, you see this moment, you know, after he does his, you know, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Uh, this light just falls out of the sky. The name of the, then he pick, you know, he goes out there and it seems kind of strange. You know, this thing just falls out of the sky. And he begins examining it and he picks it up and you see on the name, it says, um, Sirius. Sirius is the um, brightest star in the sky, and it's being used right here as the beginning light, the beginning moment of enlightenment that begins Truman down this journey to discover that something is not right with this world. Now this, but you know, this thing kind of ends up being a throwaway and he kind of forgets it quickly. And the movie progresses and the thing that keeps going through you see all these ways that his world is being manipulated and it's it's kind of hard to watch when you think about when you really think about what's going on and this is why you know I think there's a good reason why uh Andrew Nicole, Nicole um got nominated for best screenplay and I honestly I'd have to look at what won that year but part of me really wonders that it, why it did. It kind of feels like it should have been um, the winner, and the reason is is because you have this story, and you you hear these care. You see his wife, uh, you see his best friend. You see of all these people telling these stories, and some of them get really emotional with them, including the person playing his mother. And you realize that they're not really his mother. He's, she's not really his wife. This guy's not really his best friend. He's being paid to do these things. And you hear about these memories that he has. And he talks about his best friend being sick for a month. And you know as the viewer that he probably wasn't really sick that month. He was probably really gone on vacation with his parents for that month. Or took some time off from the job because he was a kid and as a child actor. You know, you see him fall in love with this girl, um, Sylvia. And you see this, you know, nice little romance going on. And for a moment, he has a moment of genuineness with her. And it's ripped away from him. And he's forced into this marriage. That is manufactured by Kristoff, by the writers and the directors of this show. And it makes the movie, you know, just increasingly tragic. But th and throughout it, you see him, you know, you see the revelation, the knowledge growing, and he's just using simple logic. And you can see that those who are in control of his world are getting sloppier and sloppier with each passing day. And this slowly reveals that he's in this fake world. And, and so, I don't know if there's a lot I could really focus on. I mean, you just watch this. And what's really striking is when you get to one of the most emotional moments in this movie, and it, it kind of gives a little bit of a teaching on um, how music works in film. And I honestly, I'm telling you, music is so, so important in making a good film. If, 
Um, you want to see a really good example, but I can't, uh, there's a, there's a YouTube video, and I think I might link this at least on the podcast or somewhere. Um, there's a really good YouTube video showing how the movie Lord of the Rings, uh, made use of its, uh, its, uh, music. And here in the Truman Show, you see the music really hard, really working. And it's in this scene where, you know, the marriage with Meryl has fallen apart. Meryl played by Laura Lenny. The marriage has fallen apart. And there's all these things that are going into chaotic. He tried to run away and there's a lot of things going on. And all of a sudden he finds out that his do- dad, who he thought was dead, is now alive. And he meets him and there's this really, really dramatic moment. And you hear this powerful music. And it's this is powerful directing by Peter Weir. And this is powerful writing by uh, Andrew Nichol, and and also good you know good acting on Jim Carrey's part, because you hear and great um, composition, because you can feel yourself being moved in that scene. You feel like yes, he found his dad, but but you know the truth that that's not really his dad. That they manipulated this scene. This isn't real. And I mean, I mean, it's a movie, of course it's not real. But in the context of the film, this isn't real. And it's showing how we could be manipulated with media. And it's, a, like I said, just great directing, great uh, skill on the parts of those who are putting this movie together. Um, and so, you know, they think everything is going to get back together. And there's this interesting little... Uh, conversation between Kristoff uh, and Sylvia. Uh, Sylvia calls in while Kristoff is being interviewed, and Kristoff tells Sylvia that the world, the place where you live, is the sick place. And again, living in a sense of delusion. And like so, you know, there's like so, and there's truth to it. The world that we live in is a sick place. And so sometimes what we want to do when we live in this world, I mean, we just turn on the news and you listen to things, the things that Donald Trump is saying right now in his election, in the the election, or what you hear going on with the politicians in general, and you know that there's storms, there's, you know, there's tornadoes, there's floods, there's um, blizzards, there's sickness, there's death, there's divorce, there's broken um, relationships, there's... So many bad things going on in this world, and our temptation is to create our own personal utopia. And so that is what Kristoff is doing. Because Kristoff is ultimately, you know, he's a human. And so part of him, you could kind of see Kristoff as the person. Maybe he, it is the truth is he got sick of the world as it was, as how fake as it was. And he decided to create a world. That gave people hope and inspiration. He decided to create this utopia. And then he says, perhaps he prefers his cell. Responding to um, Sylvia. And there's this, which by the way, that's a nice little allusion to the allegory of the cave. And so if you see how the allegory of the cave is at work, is he has this entire world. And there's all these images in his world, but there's not completely truth 
It's all being manipulated. He is basically chained to that wall. And he's forever going to see fakeness. I mean, you know, there's that one point where he's talking to, you know, what a wonderful paintbrush the big guy has when he's looking at the sunset. And you're like, you realize literally that this is a type of a paintbrush. It's not really the sun. It's something that this producer made. Okay, it is really the sun because they're probably not on a set. They probably were really on a beach when they filmed that. But in the context of the movie, you're kind of supposed to understand that that's fake. That's it's not really a sunset. And again, it shows the manipulation. And um, and it shows how the allegory of cave, the cave is at work. So eventually, um, Truman begins to escape. And he escapes on this boat that is... And there's a nice little detail if you notice this. And this is where some... Imagery is going to be kind of interesting. He escapes on a boat, and the name of the boat is Santa Maria. Saint Mary. Hmm. So you have Mary, Saint Mary, Santa Maria, carrying the true man across the waters. <clears throat> and then this movie shows this interesting little transition, because... You've been watching the audience as they've been watching this throughout the day, and throughout the the movie, and when he meets the father, that's so emotional, but it's controlled by the director. Now, it's emotional, and again, I mean, obviously it's fake; it's being it's written by a movie. But in the context of the film, now you are cheering for him, and all the people watching it, you know, in the context of the film, are cheering him on. But this time, it really is <clears throat> Truman himself, not fight, is fighting against the plans of Kristoff, fighting against the ideas and the schemes of Kristoff to break free from the prison. So he is trying to break free from the cave and to enter into the world where the real sunlight is. And so he could truly see what truth is. But as you know, Kristoff is going to emphasize that there's no much truth out there than there is in the cave. So he's trying to keep him in the cave. <clears throat> so, you know, he's being carried along. And by the way, no, I don't know if you know this, but Truman in this uh, film is actually almost 30 years old. And that's, there's a de that's a detail of note. And I'm going to come back to it in a little bit. So he's almost 30 years old. He's being carried by Santa Maria, the boat. And all of a sudden... Kristoff begins striking him with wave after wave after wave, um, trying to um, stop Truman from leaving. And eventually it doesn't work. And you see um, this interesting image. I mean, he's getting dunked in the water. He's being immersed in it. He's being drowned. And, he's, um, and by the end, you see him, at the end of the drowning, there's this one moment where you actually see him sprawled out across the boat. And he's in kind of a, a cruciform position, like the crucifix. And then the, um, the camera makes sure that you catch this little thing when he's, they give up on him, trying to kill him. He raises the sail, and you see a number rise up, and it's num the number is 139. There's a reason to that, and I'm going to get to that again in a little bit. Um, 
And so he hits the wall, and he begins to walk out of this place. And you notice the way he's walking. The, and by the way, in this part, the, the composition is absolutely incredibly powerful. Incredible skill on the part of the composers. And there's no wonder why it won a Golden Globe for it. Just great composition in this part because it just, it just moves your soul throughout these scenes. And you can feel your emotion just welling up and you want to tear and you want to cheer for Truman as he's breaking out of this, this cave. And when he gets the wall and he gets done breaking on the wall, you just can feel the emotion, that hopelessness. He gets the wall, he's beating on it, beating on it. And you feel like maybe he's defeated, he can't get out. And then he sees the stairs and he begins walking. And when you look at him, it looks like he's walking on water. And then he ascends up this sky-looking thing to the stop of the stairs. And so this is why I brought up one, the number 139. And uh, give me a second. I'm going to pull out Psalm 139. And I'm going to read it here in a second. Okay, Psalm 139. I'm not going to read the whole song. But I'm just going to read the opening parts. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. And are account acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word was, is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? And if you want, you can, you know, continue. Uh, you can read through this all. I was reading out of the English Standard Version. But this is, uh, you know, the last verses here. You search me, O God. And know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any gravest way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So with that, I want to conclude, I want, to, want you to listen to these closing moments of the movie.